This episode is sponsored by Shoutout, a two-way text messaging and campaign management platform that provides analytics and facilitates conversational messaging that delivers, engages, and converts more. Send personalized campaigns from unique phone numbers to the message content itself, letting you brand your campaign to promote yourself and create your messages in a way that users are made to think you sent it personally for them. You can then monitor and improve your campaigns over time with real-time analytics. Start reducing messaging and campaign costs with cost-effective bulk SMS. Scale efficiently without having to worry about high costs. If you'd like to start using mass texting services with simple packages to choose from, visit GetShoutOut.com today. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akhil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SAS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how the future of work is set to impact SMB platforms. Today, we have our guest, Pedram Afshar, joining us. Pedram is the co-founder and CEO of Amaka, a tech startup specialized in accounting integrations and business daily data automation. He started in 2015, and they now have a worldwide customer base and over 30 people on their team. He's an expert in creating innovative technology solutions where before starting into entrepreneurship, he had a career in commercial banking, credit risk, and portfolio management, where he then used that experience in the SME landscape, which helped him become a startup founder today. So welcome, Pedram. Super excited to have you on the SAS District Show today. Good night, Akil. Good to be here. Uh, so so let's uh, let's start kind of with the basics. You know, I want to understand what does, how does Amica work? What do you guys do? What is, uh, you know, the impact of using APIs, integration, and uh, you know, as part of building your SaaS? Yeah, look, um, so Amica came about, uh, we were really solving a problem that we were faced with internally. Um, at the time, we had a development company and a, a US company that was entering the Australian market um, approached us to develop a connector with a platform called Xero. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just entered the Australian market that that, that kind of appeared to, to do some sales and, and saw that, um, there was a real need for their zero integration or automation. Um, and the short story is that, you know, we, we built that first version of the platform, uh, leveraging the APIs for both zero and, and that, that particular company. And we started to see, hey, look, you know, um, this could potentially become a product um, and we could potentially scale it to, you know, thousands of customers. You know, fast forward five, six years, we're actually 45 people around the world globally. Uh, we've done a couple of rounds of investment and we've got about 30,000 merchants on the platform. Um, what we do, you know, it's, it's very simple. Um, our, our goal is ultimately to save merchants time and money. Um, we leverage APIs on from multiple systems to provide financial automations for, for the customer base. But so, you know, typically when people approach or, you know, thinking about starting a SaaS, they don't think about, you know, starting with an integration or an API, right? They're thinking, you know, solving a problem that they think will work. But, you know, what happened with you is somebody actually approached you to solve them one problem, right? This wasn't like you went out to the market and asked a bunch of people. They came to you and said, hey, I've got this one problem. Can you solve it for me really well? And you're like, all right, we've done a good job here. We've done it once well. Now can we do this at scale? And then you kind of use that to build, which is, yeah, which, which I love, right? That's a, that's a good way. I think that's the best way to go. Yeah, look, uh, I, I kind of call myself an accidental entrepreneur. Um, I, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know exactly what we were going to do. 
Um, after I left my full-time role, we basically, um, we wanted to do tech and that's something that we knew. I wasn't a technical co-founder. I wasn't technical at all. Uh, but, you know, we hired developers and we had a development company. And um, the two companies that we built were basically off opportunities that we saw within the market that were immediate to us. Um, and generally, the problem found us. We didn't find the problem. And and where did you, uh, you know, was it you and a co-founder? Were you kind of the sales and marketing person and you had somebody more in technical or, or did you just kind of lead the whole technical side yourself? Yeah, look, um, how we actually... We got kind of a really unique story around the founding team. Um, it's basically myself, uh, my older brother, and my best mate from school. Love so uh, generally speaking, it's like a really close-knit group. Um, how we built it out and how we sustained it all was basically I quit my job and I was there full-time. Um, the other two uh, maintained their roles um, and... Basically, that allowed us to have enough cash flow to to build out a lot of the functions without needing uh, venture capital or funding. Um, and you know, we bootstrapped the majority of the journey with one of our businesses, or 100% bootstrapped. And we raised VC for um, Amica, which is you know such a global opportunity, and and uh, you know needed that capital to to push for that growth. So look, the it's uh, in terms of my role, I've always been really active in the sales or the partnership model. Um, you know, I've, I've worked out, you know, got our first deals, you know, where, when we were just scrappy and, and trying to get, you know, people to believe in our story and, and engage with us uh, up to today, you know, negotiating deals with the likes of our biggest partners like Block, Globally, um, and DocuSign and other partners that we have on the platform. Nice. And in terms of, you know, uh, you know, you kind of leading the sales and marketing and kind of the growth, of the, what would you say are some of the marketing experiments or channels that have worked so far? And on the other side, obviously, equally important is what hasn't and what were the fail the failures that helped you get to where you are today? Yeah. Look, um, I'm a firm believer that every single marketing exper- experience works, right? Uh, regardless of whether it yields results, it works because it gives you an indication of what could potentially work or it gives you a conversation that you can leverage. Um, the, the short answer is, look, a, a lot of the... A lot of the marketing that has worked has had a partnership angle for us. Uh, partnerships being a core aspect of our customer acquisition process and, and the way we um, exponentially grow our customer base. Um, so I would say that every single time that we've ran an experiment, if it's been direct to end merchants or direct to end professionals, it's generally been far less successful than when we have a partnership with you know um, our amazing partners. And, and I think... Um, that really is something that entrepreneurs can learn from from the very beginning is that, you know, if you're able to leverage a bigger brand, if you're able to add value with a bigger brand, it's it's a multiplier effect, you know, times a thousand. Um, where you can, you know, for example, if we do a big campaign with zero and, and, and block uh, globally, we're going to get thousands of merchants. Uh, if we did that same campaign by ourselves, it's very simple. We're not going to get that same impact. Makes sense. So your, I mean, your entire business model is based on relationships through those integrations and APIs. So you just keep building and building those relationships, that kind of network effect, and then ha- use them and leverage them to help kind of spread the word right through their product and their data, uh, their list. Yeah, 100%. And look, and it's kind of like, um, you know, in my previous career, I was, I was a relationship manager, commercial banking at a bank in Australia called Westpac. And I think like, you know, that, 
that kind of basis uh, leads to, you know, pushing with your strengths and, and relationship, levering, leveraging those partnerships and those lever, leveraging those relationships has really pushed us a lot further than what we would have thought from the beginning. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's core to our success. And, you know, if I'm a SaaS founder, I'm thinking to maybe build a SaaS or, you know, use that as a channel for my own uh, SaaS, you know, integrations, APIs. What have you seen as in terms of limitations when kind of going down that path of framework? I mean, I can see some, right? You're kind of, de- there's a dependency as well right now. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a complete, so look, the, in terms of limitations, and, and I, I think like, you know, better word for limitations is like threats. Uh, it's basically you've got dependencies amongst uh, various channels that you're going to market. And I think you've got to be very mindful that, generally speaking, for your product to work, you need two or three different partners to be aligned um, and to want to engage to, to, to leverage your platform to, to bring, bring about success or you know that time saving or that automation for that end merchant. So um, I think uh, I think you know having that limitation is obviously uh, something that you have to be aware of. Uh, in terms of what we have done to 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 kind of uh, build and shore up that or that limitation is generally speaking to widen the funnel in terms of the partners that we deal with uh, and really work. Um, in addition to working on accounting integrations, we're doing a lot of business automation, payment automation. Uh, reconciliation work, payroll integration, and our partners are very varied and 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 global. So um, it's kind of an advantage down the line. But initially, starting for a SaaS founder, huge concentration risk. But uh, once you build the frameworks, once you build the tech that can leverage multiple APIs, it actually becomes an advantage because you don't have that much concentration risk when you're able to scale uh, the product offering that you have. Makes sense. So it's essentially kind of like customer concentration, kind of the same risk you'd look there, right? It's like if you know you have one customer, you have one big contract and it's paying most of your bills, like you got to just get more customers. I mean, you can't, you know, and, and obviously you're going to do a good job with the one, but just have more customers so that you don't, you know, if you do lose it, you're, you're fine, right? Yeah, 100%. Like, look, uh, uh, I think, you know, VCs and, 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 you know, early investors really concentrate on concentration risk. Uh, I generally don't think it's that big of a deal unless, unless there's no vision to, to expand it. Um, those first customers, you just got to treat them like kings and, and you're going to make sure that they're your advocates. Um, and, and we do that with every single customer. We do that with every single partner. And, uh, they're, they are the key to your, um, de-risking, right? Because if you provide for them, they'll just refer you to other customers and, and they become less of a risk in that sense. Exactly. That makes perfect sense. Um, you know, so the, the topic of this, you know, today's episode is, you know, how the future of work is set to impact. So we talk about the future of work. What do you see as kind of the, the future of work when it comes to SMB platforms and you know expected trends or changes you, you see foresee happening in you know, the next year or so? Yeah, look, it's a great question. Look, in terms of um, and, and this is not like you know revolutionary thought. You know, future of work is that automation will take over, um, and it has already. Uh, people are much more productive, um, and individuals within companies are able to you know have their own individual departments. Uh, and their own individual startups within the business. Uh, we're seeing that within our business itself. The, you know, some of our you know junior staff run run big departments, and, and basically they're leveraging technology to be more productive than ever. And now we want people that can make decisions and make things happen from a, a strategic perspective, rather than you know doing manual work or typing in manual stuff. 
Um, and I think that's a general trend that's going to continue across all parts of the industry, all, par- all parts of the economy. Uh, in terms of where we sit and where we think the future of work is for SMBs in particular, uh, we see multiple waves, uh, you know, wave of cloud accounting, cloud e-commerce, uh, you know, multiple systems to run your omni-channel uh, distribution or, you know, your, your payroll, your tax, uh, all of these functions that live across multiple systems. Uh, and we sit in between that. So Amica sits in between all of those systems and leverages the APIs in micro app format to provide automations for those SMBs. Um, and that's why, you know, it's really important to, in such a such a big concept and trying to keep um, ahead of the, those waves to make sure that we can capitalize on those waves. Um, I think it's really important to like stay true to the vision of saving SMEs or SMBs, as, as Americans said, SMBs time and money, right? And if like if we're really focused on that one truth, uh, it really then drives how we build our micro apps, who we engage with as partners, and what parts of that value chain we we tackle for for those SMBs. Yeah, so it sounds like you know efficiency, you know, is becoming more and more important. Especially, I mean, like any small business or SMB, call it. I mean, they they, ha- they there's so much limitation there, right? What they can do with with such limited resources, not the same as the big corporation. So you can save them a little bit of time. I mean, that, that you're making their lives, you know, a, a lot easier and, and save them a lot of time, so they can you know keep you know doing what they they need to do. Um, is there any you know trends or you know if I was looking to start a SaaS, is there anything that you see is like right, is where I would focus my my time or look at or you know, how we could save some time or energy that's that's not being done or could be done better? Yeah, if you, if you're looking to do a SaaS and especially a micro SaaS. Um, I will look into the app stores of the various e-commerce platforms, um, Shopify, and then I would then look further into like, you know, Square, um, other accounting packages like Xero, NYRB, QuickBooks, uh, all of these platforms, all of these uh, marketplaces are great channels to customer bases. You know, entrepreneurs uh, to start that first business or to to, to do it in a, in a sustainable manner where they don't necessarily need to quit their day job to to take on the challenge. Um, I think I think what's happened in the ecosystem, I've, I've built uh, a previous business, um, which is like, you know, practice management software for lawyers, trial attorneys, right? And it's, I sit on the board of, um, I think those kind of big um, plays are kind of gone in, in a way, right? Mm-hmm. The, the opportunity has passed. Like, you know, you, you can build an e-commerce platform, your differentiator has to be, something incredibly big for you to compete with the Shopify's of the world. But I think what's, what's happening is like many other things in the SaaS or, or many other things within the economy, it's getting broken down into smaller bits. Um, so if you're an entrepreneur looking to build a SaaS company, apps are an amazing way forward. Um, and, and micro apps or micro um, uh, automations. And and we, we're at the center of it. And we, we want to encourage other entrepreneurs to get into it because um there's enough for everyone and the whole economy really depends on it. Yeah. And there's another business model for you, right? Helping people set up those, uh, those stores and then they plug into you. And then I guess that kind of you know, network. Yeah. And, and we have, mm-hmm. so we yeah. have, so like cool. um, we've recently acquired a couple of micro apps and, and we've been working with other founders to um, enable them to, to really get that global scale uh, with the apps that they've uh, partnered with us. So it's, it's quite, yeah. And look, we're, we're completely encouraging of, uh, you know, entrepreneurs approaching us or doing it on their own. It's just 
uh, it just adds more value to the to the uh, automation economy. Yeah, that's awesome. So if anybody listening in is looking to maybe look to build their own, you know, micro app or, or product, you know, obviously check out Amaka and see maybe how you know we can, you can plug in with them and build something off of that. Um, and, you know, before you, you you mentioned right before founding Amaka, you you start another company. Um, just just you know, love to hear what do you, what do you see as kind of seeing most common mistakes among you know first time founders CEOs uh, when first starting their business or you know what would you do differently if you were to start that first company again knowing what you know now? Oh look, there's a million things I would do differently, <laughs> um, and and look, it's kind of like a you know ongoing thing. You know, what it, it, you you find out something that you would have done differently. Uh, every day, and I think I think that just never changes, right? Because you've got the power of foresight. I think my my first bit of advice to any founder, like starting day one, is um, you know don't uh, have some humility in terms of um, the ideas that you carry. Um, there's a lot of I, I think something that I did um, which uh, hindered some of the growth that we could have had initially. I had ideas and I would keep them to myself and. I would think, you know, these ideas are valuable. Um, can I swear on this podcast? Or no? yeah. yeah, ideas don't mean shit, right? They're just, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're worthless. Um, unless you're like a quantum scientific researcher that has figured <laughs> out this huge experiment. If you're doing business ideas for SaaS, like you're not that smart and just make sure that like, <laughs> you have some humility around it. It's all about the execution. That's when you actually become smart about it. Um, so yeah, my advice would be like humility from that very beginning, obviously have confidence, obviously value what you're doing, but by sharing that information with people that you trust and some people that you don't trust, you know, that, that journey allows you to grow. And if you keep that really close to your chest and, you know, and kind of, uh, not, not be very forthcoming with the information, you know, it just, it just slows you down. Mm, yeah. Love it. That's solid advice. Um, so before we, we shift gears to kind of the more personal rapid fire, I think this is a good kind of segue. Um, you know, we heard about your famous leading a company tutorial based on a 90s rap classic. Could share share a bit more what that's about and what that resulted in. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm like a, yeah, I, I love gangster rap from the 90s. Like, just right. just love that, uh, right. love that genre. And when I was a kid, I used to listen to it all the time. And uh, not that I grew up in America or anything. It's just I grew up in Sydney in Australia, but you know, uh, we always look to the U.S. for like you know that cultural uh, yeah. music scene. Uh, look, I, I like uh, you know the way I like to link uh, starting a startup and the '90s rap classics is because you know um, African American culture has gone through a lot of uh, you know challenges. Uh, they've faced a lot of adversity. I'm not trying to like liken startups to you know the African American experience, but hey, there's a lot of um, a lot of like short clips where you could get a bit of inspiration um, during tough times. So if you listen to rap music, you'll obviously appreciate that. Um, a lot of like philosophical takes on struggle, uh, a lot of philosophical takes on uh, resistance. So, you know, you can take those uh, tidbits and, and get a bit of inspiration. I've, I've written a few articles on LinkedIn about it mm-hmm. uh, for fun because I just, you know, found a lot of those little verses being... Um, you know, little rap lessons for, for entrepreneurs. Yeah, it's all about the grind and the hustle, right? I mean, you're doing, whether you're doing it on the streets and in hard times, you're doing it on your front of your computer, right? You still, you still have to 100%. get up every morning and put, it, put in the work, right? <laughs> 100 And no one believes in you, right? Yeah, so, exactly. you know, when you, I'm sure you. like a lot of the rappers, when they were starting out on the streets rapping, no one would have believed in them. Same with startups, right? So mm-hmm. uh, if you like, 
and I'm not again I'm not equating the two <laughs> experiences yeah, sure, all sure. I'm saying is like you know you can take a lot of inspiration from it and and hell you're taking away inspiration from anything at these days yeah yeah exactly yeah I love it I mean if that helps you get you you know moving forward it gives you that, that push to do what you got to do I mean yeah use it to your advantage yeah, yeah great yeah cool Pedro um so moving towards the the rapid fire questions, um, let's start with the first one, which is, what's one activity you enjoy outside of work that gets you into flow state? Yeah, um, look, I, I do a lot of exercise uh, training. You know, I do I do a bunch of like CrossFit, do like weights at gym. Uh, but one thing I do after exercise, I hit. I'm religious with my sauna, um, so I hit the sauna. No phone, no nothing, no music, no headphones. Just go in there. And that gives you like a lot of uh, internal thought. And I just usually try to think about problems that I'm trying to solve or just think about nothing. Um, and that kind of gets me into the flow state. I get a lot of good ideas in the sauna. That's just, yeah. just me. Um, so probably meditation. Um, and after like, you know, you've done some exercise, you're going there for recovery. You've got a lot of tension out of your body. So you might feel a bit at peace. Mm. I thought you were going to say freestyle rap. I think you just go into that sauna room. You're like, everybody pay attention. Let me show you something. <laughs> dreams. Hashtag yeah, dreams. Exactly. I love it. The freestyle stage. <laughs> right in the sauna <laughs> room. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so I think you kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know, this is maybe, I don't know, you know how old you are, but what's one piece of advice you had, you wish you had known and would tell your 25 year old self, you know, so it doesn't have to do with business, but with anything in life. Yeah. Look, uh, I think like humility we touched on, but that's just when I'm, I'm 35 now, but like mm. from a 25 year old perspective, uh, I think like I, I would probably just try to like link it to being patient. Uh, I think that's, that's mm. a common uh, advice that you would give yourself when you're younger. And the other one is take risks, right? Uh, mm. You're 25. Who cares? Like if you fail or, um, you know, I, I probably at 25, I was, I was obviously working full time, but, um, one of the things that I was like overtly concerned about at that time was what um, others would think of uh, particular moves that I would make or, um, you know, being a bit self-conscious there. Um, and, and, you know, if you're confident, you can take risks, fail, who cares? No one really, no one really cares anyway, right? Yeah, uh, a lot exactly. of people think that people are watching them, but no one really cares. Everyone's watching themselves and yeah, exactly. uh, I'm worried about their own uh, internal stuff. So, yeah. Care less, do more. Do more of what you want. Yeah, not with other yeah. people. Exactly. Cool. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges you're currently facing in order to continue to grow Amaka? Meaning, you know, what's what keep you, keeps you up at night these days? Yeah, look, uh, the, one of the biggest challenges that we're facing at the moment is how to keep up to date and how to engage uh, with business owners to come up with the next generation of micro apps that are going to automate their business. Um, and, and I think, um, it's, it's not a function of delivery of the technology. It's a function of understanding those businesses and what our customers are saying. Um, and I, and that, that kind of keeps me up at night in the sense that, uh, we need to continuously be able to extract information from our, um, customers and implement them into products that they can use in their business. Um, how we're addressing it, I think, I think fundamentally, like, staying really close to your customers, um, creating um, loops within your business that, that allow communication or information to flow from your customers to your developers or to your business units is really important. Um, and I think uh, 
ultimately having that culture of sharing information within the business uh, kind of helps me sleep at night, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because that information is flowing and I'm hoping that, you know, we were resolving those customer challenges or those business challenges that people face. Mm. And is this through just kind of, you know, passively, you know, people coming to you and, you know, through customer service calls or are you guys actively reaching out and, you know, doing some kind of, uh, you know, research through through your customers? This is this is so important. Like it's active. It's not a. It's not a. Um, you you cannot do it passively, especially after a certain size. Like uh, up to five, ten people. Yeah, you could do it passively because you're you're across everything, right? Once you get to like 30, 40, uh, right now about forty five people. It's it's impossible, right? Mm. Um, so what we do is we create. So for example, we've got a customer success team um, in the Philippines. Um, they take copious notes on interactions or data that, that they've seen that, that could help. We then have cross-department sharing sessions where our customer success team becomes kind of like the voice to tell developers what a customer is saying, uh, mm-hmm. like straight from the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, no filters. Um, you know, those notes are then exchanged with our product team. Uh, our partners are also, our partnership teams are also engaging with our developers. Um, so that flow of information has to be active. Definitely not passive. Love it. Yeah, that's uh, that's critical. I think a lot of people miss that part, and I think that's that's what makes it's the key. Yeah, yeah, because it hurts, man. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because like some of those feedback are not great, right? Yeah, and if yeah, you're here, it's your ego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it hits your ego, right? So like, yeah. if you can take like, you've got to take some hints, right? And that's mm. why they avoid it. Mm. The truth, yeah. 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 The truth, yeah, yeah. Pejam, who are what are some of the best three resources? It can be you know books. Uh, mentors or people you follow in the space in the space who you'd say have been the most instrumental to your success over these last few years? Yeah, look, in terms of books, um, I read two books that like really had an impact on me. Um, Zero to One, Peter Thiel, like mm-hmm. you know, classic, and yeah. the Lean Startup Model, uh, mm-hmm. Eric Ries, like that was just a classic for me too. I read those before I left my role, uh, um, and and I, I really internalized some of those aspects, although like. You don't feel like you internalize it. As you go on the journey, you see aspects where you see things that um, recall memories of those those lessons within those books. And I, I suggest everyone read as many books as they can about the startup model. And you can easily find them on, on Google and, and find out like in the top 10 startup books. There's, you know, in these days, you could, you got a lot of um, ability to, to access it. Um, look, in terms of uh, the third resource, I would say, generally speaking, I follow a bunch of entrepreneurs on and then VCs on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, less active on Twitter, but I'm just getting there. Um, there's so much, so much like inspirational stuff. There's so much insights that people are sharing online that you could leverage, mm-hmm. um, and they're incredibly valuable. So go on to Twitter, start following certain people within your industry that have got stories to tell, and and you find actually quite valuable stuff. Uh, usually, uh, when it comes to social media content, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, the value proposition is getting lower and lower. On, <laughs> in the entrepreneurial side, the value proposition is actually increasing, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of people sharing cool stuff, uh, inspirational stuff, and also, um, you know, real technical stuff that can help you in your business. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, Twitter has been been great. I think just the quality of the, the stuff that's being put out there, I think it just seems to be getting better for sure. Yeah, it's getting better. Every other aspect of uh, life, politics, you know, uh, entertainment, all that is getting worse. But in terms of business, it's getting better, especially in the yeah. tech sector. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, that's where people are focusing, you know, good, where the energy is going for the good, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Pedram, what does uh, success mean to you today? Whether that's, you know, personally, business, financial, life, there's no right answer. Yeah, look, um, success for me is, um, I, I really like um, building teams and having people uh, work within a company that they enjoy working in. I think growth of my team is is a big success to me, sustainable growth of my team mm-hmm. um, uh, from a business perspective and then solving those customer issues. And, and mm-hmm. um, I think like building a global brand, having global customer base, all of those things that what I consider to be success. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of personally, like, you know, I've got two kids. Um, I've, I've got, uh, you know, lots of uh, loving family members around me and, and being able to spend time with them is, is probably success to me. Um, and, and it's been, yeah, it's been great for me personally to grow the kids and, and you know, see them grow. So uh, however much time I can get to spend in a quality setting with them uh, mm-hmm. is, is success. Love it. Love it. Cool. Uh, Pedram, this, is, this has been great. Lots of, lots of good insights here. I uh, appreciate you jumping on and sharing this with, with everybody, our audience. Um, where can our founders or you know, listeners get in touch with you, learn more about you and, and Amica? Yeah, look, uh, if you're building a micro app, reach out to us on Amica Partners page. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, on, on the Amica website, amica.com, you can find all sorts of information about the business uh, and the products that we have. You find me on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Uh, I'm less prominent on Twitter to start it, but yeah, on the LinkedIn side, I'm, I've, I've been pushing out a lot of content and and doing a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. Um, and we do a bunch of webinars and stuff with accountants and professionals in, within different fields through Amica. So if you're an accountant or, a, uh, or what we call a techie accountant. Uh, reach out to us. We'd love to see you on and do some interviews with you on our platform. Okay. Awesome. Thank, thank you so much, Pedram. We'll add all those links uh, in our show notes for people to check out and also reach out to you directly. Awesome. Thank, thank you once again. Appreciate you joining today. Thank you, Akil. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you all for watching this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at Horizon Capital and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please comment down below and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and see you on the next one.